do it. I know exactly how to start this. Oh, God. Uh, You know what I realized uh, from you singing that is that I always thought it was I will always love you, but the way you sing it is I will always love you. You want to get a lot of vibrato in there. That's key. and a lot of H sounds on vowel yeah. beginnings I, words. I will always love you. What I liked is that you, I thought you were done, but you weren't. That was that's, my favorite part. I mean, that's that's the the song itself just surprises you that way. They have that <laughs> they have that whole thing where it just like ends, and then it's like Drunk. change. And uh, I, I did an octave down because I've already sung high enough. For You've this earned whole it. Podcast. You've earned an octave down. Hey, you know what? Welcome to your inner child as an idiot. This is the bad podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they were any good. I said podcast. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I heard bad it. podcast. This is the bad podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and I don't know. It's sometimes it's fair. Bad. My name is DJ. I and I am uh, I'm Damon. Good job, Damon. Thank you. Welcome. Good job being you. Good job saying socially distant from everyone. So we're doing More Mega so Man than usual. Yeah, we're talking about <laughs> Mega Man uh, with soundtrack by Whitney Houston. <laughs> we're talking about The Bodyguard, not the Netflix show starring Rob Stark, but rather the movie. Uh, we're continuing Costner Fest 2020, uh, which is a big hit. Everybody loves it. People are uh, talking. People, uh, you know, people are talking. Um, and we're going to do Swing Vote next, right? We discussed right. that. We're doing yeah, draft the, day, the 2000s era. Yeah. yeah. All the ones... That are about specific days, draft day and the election day. <laughs> Those are the ones. Now we're talking about the bodyguard. This is uh uh this movie was enormous. And I feel like I'm gonna have to carry this because have you seen this? Have you not seen this at all? At the risk of losing my gay card, I have to say I have not seen this movie. Have I think I've never... seen the last act of this movie, actually. And I think Tyler was just narrating it to me while we watched. We've got Everything that you that you love, we've got a wooden male lead. Uh, we've got a I do love them a pop star acting double um, threat, some might say, and of course singing the main song from the from the movie. I um, love uh, vertical integration. We've got a whole soccer storyline. I thought you said soccer, and I was like, I can't do another sports Costner movie. But now I realize you said stalker. We've got a whole soccer storyline. Bet you didn't see that one coming. She eats the team once they crash on the Andes. Oh. And what else is it? So, uh, so I know, of course, Houston and Costner are in this. Yes. Is anyone else of note in this? <sighs> don't cheat. Don't, you have to do this all from memory. I don't remember. Who plays the stalker? Um, it's just some guy. I, I mean, it's an actor, obviously, but I don't know. <laughs> he, they didn't the actually get a stalker to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. 
See, that's the problem I have with Hollywood. There are plenty of stalkers out there, but they always have these these actors playing stalkers. It's insulting. Yeah. Stalkers stalkers need work. Show a little diversity. They especially need work. They have all that surveillance stuff. They, you know, they hide in bushes. Sometimes they get thorns. They need to go they to the doctor. They got all the restraining orders. They can barely walk yeah. down the street. They've got to hire a lot of fucking orders. lawyers <laughs> just to watch their perimeters. <laughs> um, so Whitney Houston is basically Whitney Houston, sort of like an exaggerated Whitney Houston. She is like playing a very famous singer. And she falls in love with her bodyguard played by Kevin Costner. That's basically just like Whitney Houston did. Bobby Brown was her bodyguard. There is a, I mean, I, I, I remember the twist of the movie, so I don't want to spill that for you, but you've seen the last act. So, you know, this. he wasn't bo- guarding his, her body. Was that the twist? Well, I mean, he was doing more than that. If you know what I mean, <laughs> he's got full coverage. <laughs> Follow me. Um, no, he was, uh, not only, well, no, no, no. That's not the twist. The twist is: Are you do Do you want me to say it? Do you want me? No, to say at it? this point, no. I want to. Okay. I want to go okay. in fresh. I want to feel like it's 1991. Is that 90, accurate? 1991. <sighs> well, I guess 1991 will be the last year I didn't. I couldn't have possibly know. known yeah, what happened yeah. in the bodyguard. I don't know why. I because I don't remember the. I I must have seen this a fair bit. This seems like a movie that maybe it started with my sister was really into it, and then. I saw it a lot. I don't know. I'd have to check with her on that because I don't remember specifically, but I'm like, why would I, I was 10. Why would I have watched this so many times? Now, can I ask you a question? Uh, Yeah. Much like uh, Batman Forever, is this movie better known for its soundtrack than the actual movie? Well, I guess I'm really just that fucking song. It's not like I know track two from the Bodyguard soundtrack. I mean, this song, so what we're talking about is I Will Always Love You, which is as you may or may not know, originally a Dolly Parton song. Mm-hmm. Written by Jay-Z originally. National and he Dolly and she sang it. Whitney Houston did this. Her cover of this was monstrous. Like, it was... The, it destroyed Japanese cities. They... <laughs> Do you have anything else for this movie? I remember there's a about scene... Halloween? No, about <laughs> the bodyguard. The bodyguard. I, re- I really don't. I have seen the last act... Um, Possibly with Tyler, possibly also have had my friend Bethany uh, tell me about this movie at like, so it almost feels like I've seen it. Mm. I know they fall in love. I knew there was a stalker. Uh, I believe there's like a, a cape action with like a hood that Whitney wears at some point. Oh, yeah. I do vaguely remember that. There's And they go away. They go away to like her summer home to hide from the stalker. Like a cabin but in the woods. Yeah. Bad news bears. The stalker knows. And you know a lot about this movie. Again, Act Three. I've seen Act Three, and yet you don't. I don't know. Anyway. Who rised. Okay, all right. Uh, this and also the twist a, probably didn't land. If I only saw Act Three, I probably just thought, "Yep, status quo, true. keep them going." That's true. Um, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this twist. I don't. It's not very good. I just remember it. Um, Will I be able to guess the twist as I start the movie? Maybe they all did it. They all oh. committed the murder on the Orient Express. Here's what I'm excited especially for you to, to, to participate in. Uh, so Kevin Costner's character, the titular bodyguard, um, Mm -hmm. is like standoffish on purpose. He's like, kind of like, uh, you know, like wooden and, and he is trying very hard not to, you know, like be, you know, nonchalant about the whole situation, all that. But 
nonchalant, a nonchalant bodyguard. Of course. Well, you know what I mean? Just like be like unbothered by the whole situation. And she is like sort of, I don't know if she like doesn't want him to be her bodyguard or something. There's some reason she's like prickly to him. Mm-hmm. And oh, well, so we, get to see, we get to see not only Whitney Houston just playing her best diva pop star mm-hmm. typecasting, uh, but also we get to see Kevin Costner play a wooden, sullen white man, also typecasting. <laughs> <laughs> if I have faith in his abilities, I think he's going to nail it. This may be the role he was born to play. (laughs) And he still gets to say, this is blood money, Marion, at some point. (laughs) It's nice. He finally gets to say, if we last stay here any longer, we'll become ghosts ourselves, which is odd (laughs) to say to Whitney Houston. Uh, You ready to watch this? Yeah, because my my cat's trying to get into the office, so we should start watching it. No, I can't. I have to get up. It's a whole thing. Ready? Are you going to? Okay. And I will always love you. I feel like this is becoming a full-length podcast of the last 10 seconds of WTF recently, where he just plays guitar. Listen, we need to do. We need to tell people about this Patreon opportunity. It's very important that we tell people to get to get them in on the ground floor of this. DJ, me and my wife just want to have a vacation in Mexico, and we just came to this empty conference building. (laughs) So because this was part of the deal, I don't want any high pressure sales situation. Just give me 180 minutes, and you'll be grateful. (laughs) 180 minutes. (laughs) Well, we used to get people out of those contracts. That's true. That was a bad job. But I like the the high-pressure sales situation bit. Let's go back to that. What do I need to do to get you into a (laughs) Patreon page today? Well, I mean, uh, are there any blackout dates where I can't be a Patreon? You can never use it. But can I get you... (laughs) What, can I interest you in your name in the credits of each episode? What do you think, Tabitha? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Can I interest you in drawings by you? <laughs> mm, I've never had drawings by me before, so that would be... I certainly don't have files just behind me full of drawings <laughs> by me. Can I interest you in songs by me? Mm, now that... Uh, yeah, okay. Now I'm listening. Now I'm listening. Can I interest you in... Something that maybe you might come up with that you want us to give you to support the podcast. Maybe just tell me what you want. <laughs> Patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. An idiot. Tell us <laughs> what you want. That was probably our strongest commercial yet. And that's the saddest thing I've ever said. <laughs> Damon, we're back, and we watched... <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Yojimbo. Oh, no. Oh, oh God, because I've only seen 30 seconds of it because I was watching The Bodyguard. <laughs> Thank God, at least that had that little clip in there, or I'd we be watched, completely lost. 
Whitney Houston's Kevin Costner's The Bodyguard. Lawrence Kasdan wrote this. Did not know that. But like he wrote it in the 70s. like the late 60s, the, the 70s. Uh, One for Steve Diana McQueen Ross. and Diana Ross. Yeah. I guess we both read the same faultless IMDb trivia page. There's no way that it's not true. No way. I mean, I think it was mentioned on two different uh, trivia notes on the same page in IMDb. <laughs> so I feel like that's a second source. And you can you can take that to the paper with that. Um, would you please recap this movie? DJ, for the first time, I'd be happy to. <laughs> Smash cut to... It's Kevin Costner killing a man. Um, he, he guns him down in a parking lot. That's when we learn that he makes his Has living. License to kill. <laughs> that he can kill who he wants. And he makes his living guarding bodies, specifically the bodies of people um, <laughs> who are, uh, I guess, governors or, or politicians mostly. Used to be Secret Service. Yes. But they're. Uh, there is a, a, a celebrity, a pop star, um, and she's got some some issues with a potentially violent stalker. Now, there's a little bit of a leap of faith I need you to make here, which is there's a pop star named Rachel, and um, <laughs> she's the biggest star in the world, and her name is Rachel, and that's probably the biggest thing you're going to have to do in just, like, just go with it. Just go with it. You're in for the ride of a lifetime. Pop star named Rachel. Um, she hires Kevin Costner, Frank Farmer, um, which everyone calls just Farmer, which confused me for a long time because it felt like they were slandering him. Like, that, no, he's the bodyguard. I mean, it's in the title of the movie. Stop calling him another <laughs> occupation. Another occupation. <laughs> um, he, he is hired, and um, he finds out that uh, Rachel's handlers, for lack of a better term, are sort of keeping the... Uh, the worst parts of 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 the offenses against her from her. This guy has apparently broken into her house and jizzed. Stress her out. Jizzed onto her bed. Um, and uh, yeah, he's Dead sending a uh, horribly horribly thing. Yeah, he's sending bombs. Uh, he's sending uh very violently worded letters. Uh, with the classic cutout magazine. I love that. You yeah. know, you can't. You it's can't work. You know, letter writing is is sort of becoming a lost art these days. And might, it's great to see someone sense. go back to the back to the basics. I'm trying to think if this is the my first encounter. We don't. Sorry, we're recapping. Sorry, I won't interrupt again. Um, I, it's hard for me to say because it's parodied so much that I feel like I probably saw True. it in like a Simpsons or an Animaniacs before I would have seen it in any movie. Um, anyway, so uh, Frank uh, sort of. Farmer? Um, Frank Farmer, uh, yes. Uh, Frank, uh, in the Middle Ages, he would have been known as Frank Bodyguard, but <laughs> apparently his ancestors were farmers. Um, I can't remember Frank the order here, but at some point, uh, so Rachel, because she doesn't have all the information, she wants to keep like living her life as normal, and so she's still going out and doing surprise uh, shows at clubs, like L.A.'s hot new club, The Mine. Um, and uh, Frank doesn't like this because he's like, I can't do my job if if no one's on the same page here. Um, he don't like it. Um, after a scare at The Mine, where 
Rachel gets pulled into the crowd. He um, rescues her, and I think he starts making uh, updates to her house to add more security, add bars on the windows, cameras everywhere, fences, etc., etc. I might have the order mixed up, but I'm just going to keep doing it confidently because I'm a white man. Um, Fail up, my friend. (laughs) Anyway, uh, they start... uh, She... After he sort of saves her at the mine, she she which makes it sound like they were at a literal mine. Again, sort of the farmer bodyguard mix up. The mine is a club. You sound there like are no me literal mine right now. What's happened? I don't know. You? I'm having a mental breakdown. This <laughs> is like a DJ recap. It's like you're not even Newhart is guest hosting on the podcast. He's just stammering all over the place. We're not even halfway through the first act. It's a long goddamn movie. That was it the is. first thing that Tyler yelled at me when he was pulling it up on Amazon Prime. He's like, I hope you're buckled up. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Anyway, <laughs> worse comes to worse. I don't know why I use that phrase, but uh, Rachel, again, a pop star. Um, she <laughs> Is this a Jewish thing? Are you? <laughs> no, it's not a Jewish okay. thing. It's, this right. was the weirdest thing to imagine something doing these like coordinated dances and she's named after the girl who sat behind me in geometry. It just <laughs> seems so weird. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca R, not Rebecca S. Rebecca S, <laughs> sit down. It's Rebecca R. They start, uh, they start flirting and they start dating. They go on a date where they hear, uh, a cover of Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. Just put a pin in that. It's not important right now. I don't think that's I can't imagine that. how it will play into the story of this movie. No. Uh, but they uh, do it, or as Whitney Houston said, fucked. Um, but uh, immediately, uh, Kevin Costner, much like me in the early days of my homosexuality, freaks out <laughs> and <laughs> panics and um, decides, oh, we can't do this anymore. I am your uh, employee you're my employer. That's all we're going to be. Stop it. So then uh, Whitney Houston turns on a dime and she's over it. She doesn't like Frank Farmer. Again, bodyguard. Um, Yada, yada, yada. Things escalate from there. The stalking gets worse and worse. Blah, blah, blah. Eventually, um, after a scare in Miami. What happens in Miami? (laughs) What was so bad in Miami that she freaks out? Um, Well, she... Oh, the call. The call from the creepy guy. Yeah. The co- no, the, the st- no, no. Um, he, uh, the stalker is able to get through to her hotel room in Miami and freaks her out. And that's when she's like, look, I'll do whatever you want, Frank Farmer, my bodyguard. Um, and he's like, I want you to come to my father's house in rural area in the mountains yeah. somewhere. And they do that. Um, but then lo and behold, more violence is, is done. Uh, a boat <laughs> blows up that almost kills Whitney Houston's son, Fletcher. Um, and uh, that's when they know the stalker must know them. But he calls his friends at the FBI. They already got the stalker. No. Uh, the guy, the no, no. The guy kind of looks like Andrew Jackson. Yeah, he does. I was going to say he looks like Tom Waits' little brother. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was always picked on by Tom Waits. Yeah. So it can't be that. Now he realizes there must be like a professional guy that's doing it. Anyway, you thought that was the climax because there was a whole change of scenery and it was action packed. But no, we got to go to uh, the Academy Awards now because well, we do get a, a big piece of information at the cabin. And which is what it happens, which is that we find out that her sister, Rachel's sister. Nikki, oh, right. Hired a killer. To oh, right. kill an assassin to kill her uh, through an intermediary. She she doesn't know who he is, and she can't call it off. 
but she ends up getting killed in the process. So she's dead. So that little moral problem is solved. Thanks, professional killer. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have put a hit out on my brother. You know, (laughs) brothers fight. You get angry at him. You're jealous of him. You order a hit. But that's why I always make sure I have contact with the guy who's going to be doing the killing. So that, you know, once my anger fades, I'm like, you know what? He stole my Lego set. There's no reason to murder him. I got it. Call it off. Bruno, it's off. You can keep the money, though. At least give me the assassin's pager number. This is the (laughs) 90s. So, of course. Um, So, yeah, uh, her sister is killed. Blah, blah, blah. Eventually, the, the... killer is some rando guy that we meet in like the in late act two who who tried to rape her her, but everyone was cool with that it was the killing we won't stand for um and i mean i shades of meaning but let's not like gloss over the rape thing like remember when he was like oh so hey farmer again bodyguard farmer Sorry about what happened in Miami. And Farmer like shook his hand backstage of the Oscars. I'm like, you're not, he's not the one you should be apologizing to. I don't go apologize to the woman yeah. you almost raped. Are also, actively trying to kill. Although me as an audience member doesn't know that yet. I also don't think that Farmer knows that happened because all she saw, all he saw, was they went into a bedroom together. I guess that's fair. Um. Anyway, the guy it turns out he's the killer. He's got a camera set up with like a gun, and Frank figures it out. Frank Farmer, uh, he figures it out just the last minute, uh, and saves Rachel's life. Um, gets shot himself, but he kills the other guy live at the Oscars. What yeah. a show! Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway fucking up the best best picture. Can't top that time that Frank Farmer shot a guy at the Oscars. It's the best thing I've seen since Eminem, some, for some reason, showing up last year. <laughs> <laughs> to make up for that one time he missed it? Yeah. That was so stupid. Frank still can't be with her and hires like an old man who looks like a thumb with a mustache glued on it um, to be her new bodyguard. And uh, she's about to fly away on our plane. But Kevin Costner like comes by to see her off on the plane, even though he doesn't work for her anymore. And like, wouldn't it have been more convenient to like get her when she's not just about to hop on a plane and leave probably has a tight schedule. Um, but uh, she gets on the plane and then she's like, the plane's about to take off and she's like, no wait. And then she runs down the plane uh, and then kisses him. And then the last shot of the movie is like Frank Farmer, the bodyguard, uh, at some unrelated event. A Rotary Club. And that's the end. Rotary Club event. And that's it. And then it's like, then it cuts to uh, Queen of the Night. I mean, I will always love you. Then it cuts into Queen of the Night. Yeah. I'm sorry that was so long. I've watched this movie twice. Just a nice. It's a lot of movie. I want to say one thing, uh, because I think this is a serious point before we get into the jokes, okay? Okay. Winnie Houston's sister in this, she only hires the killer when she gets stoned. So to the people out there who are just, you know, joking around about marijuana and how fun it is, mm-hmm. be careful, okay? Yeah. It's yeah. not so wacky a tobacco as you might think. Yeah. It's more like It can wacky, cause you to murder your sister Wacky tobacco in the mafia sense. Yeah. 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 So. You know how they used to call the mafia the wacky family? Yeah. Because they, they were mean. always whacking people. <laughs> In terms of just statistics, I believe this is the most notes I've ever taken yes. for a movie. That's one page, Amanda. two page. There's oh, a three, three page, page and a four page. Ooh, half. That's a are, half page, though. To be fair, those are also, you're in a tiny notebook. You're not in a 
No, DJ, don't ruin pad. this for me. Don't ruin I'm this a, for me. I'm a legal pad guy here. I just want to make <laughs> sure that we're all imagining the same thing. Eight by uh, 11 or 13. What is legal pad? I, I think a, it's 13. Eight and a half by 11. Yeah, this is not a legal pad. You're right. The legal pads are bigger. This is also not a legal pad. <laughs> Does anyone uh, have any legal pads we could borrow? We really need some. Ship to P.O. Box 41 something. I can't remember what my P.O. Box is. <laughs> Speaking of P.O. Boxes, this is something uh, uh, Frank Farmer should look into because <laughs> we see him getting back from his his first gig that the movie opens with in media res when he is in a gun battle. He's like James Bond. It always starts in the middle at the end of his last his yeah. last bit, his last job. He's in the middle of a shootout protecting some rich dickhead who wants him to stay on, but he's not going to do it. He's got to move on. Oh, because he's they got, fuck too, I assume. He, he got, fucks every one of his clients. He got the traveling Jones. That's what he got. And <laughs> better than the Love Jones. But he comes up tell you that. the mail is just piled up in front of his door. He has to like move it and that's just have a neighbor get it. I mean, that's true. Have a neighbor pick it up. But also I have to, I have to call out his, his post, uh, postal person, PP. Um, I feel like they'd stop delivering it after a while and they'd be like, Hey, you can pick this up over yeah, here. We're going to hold it. Uh, we got our first appearance of close crop costs. Yes. Uh, which I think is, is this your favorite cost hair? Kevin I mean, Cos uh, hair? Uh, I feel like it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like his hair in, uh, field of dreams, uh, as shite as that movie was his hair. I liked his hair the best there. It was like pretty normal, at least for 1989. Right. It was like, I couldn't legally describe it as a mullet yet. Um, but there's a lot of waves stuff you can grab onto if you needed to, if your ship had, you know, been blown asunder, you could it was grab onto those old, tresses. Old fashion American Huey Lewis hair. Yes, which was the style at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Not only was this written by Lawrence Kasdan, but also the music is by Alan Silvestri. A lot of surprises. Yeah, uh, there were um, Alan Silvestri, who I know through, he's sort of like uh, in the uh, Robert Zemeckis orbit. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, um, I think he did Back to the Future. He did Who, who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, so yep, that's why I know him. Something you're going to love, which is... Oh, Lavange. The Lavangers. The Lavange. Yeah, I did uh, Back to the Future, one of the best themes of all time, I would argue. A lot of brassy, a lot of brassy, uh, brassy yeah. notes from Mr. Silvestri. He doesn't get much to do because he's kind of pushed out by Whitney Houston in this. Please, uh, she is a method actress. It's Rachel Marin while on set. Rachel please. Marin, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, there is a lot of uh, pop stuff. I don't think I know. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I didn't really notice a lot of the 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 score. Um, if I hadn't seen his name, I would have never thought twice to even think about who. That's how unnoticeable it was. Which sometimes is like, you know, good for the movie. It's not like this needed like big brassy superhero themes. So I'm not yeah. saying he did a bad job. I'm just saying I didn't really think about it other than there's so much incidental music already in the story. Cause it's the yeah. story of a singer going to events where she sings or where like orchestras are in the pit, say the Academy yeah. Awards, um, that, that, uh, the score sort of is downplayed maybe. 
but yeah, I didn't, I didn't make any note of it. You know what I did make note of? We want to talk technicalities. Uh, yes. Editing and cinematography was ludicrous in this movie. I kept going, what are you doing? That we, uh, the first time I noticed it was literally the first few minutes of the movie. We meet Kevin Costner, literally shooting a gun towards the audience. Yeah. And, um, we follow his story for a few scenes and then we cut to a scene where you literally see no one's faces, but after the fact you can surmise it's backstage at Rachel Marin's show. Someone hands a doll to, I guess one of her assistants, they grab the doll, they put it in her dressing room and uh, then it blows up. And then you're like, Oh, okay. So we're going to meet a bunch of new characters now. No, you're not. You're not even going to see anyone's face. We're going to cut back to Kevin Costner sitting on the lawn. And I'm like, what just happened? What are we doing? Like, don't even show me that if you're going to just cut back to the same guy we've already met like 30 seconds ago. And then just felt like there was a lot of like longing looks from people. Um, There were a lot of scenes that seemed completely out of place in this movie. Uh, My uh, my favorite being uh, the fight between Tony and and Frank Farmer, the bodyguard. Oh, yeah. Um, Which was almost to uh, that fight in the alleyway and they live levels of what are we doing here? Why is this happening? And why is it going on for so many beats? Uh, Tony is the head of security for Rachel before Frank comes on. Yeah. And uh, for the first half of the movie, he's very uh, antagonistic of Frank and doesn't like Frank. And Frank is uh, sort of like... He completely sort of derails how things are run at her yeah. house. And, and so exactly everyone who works there. Ingratiate oh, no. He's, yeah, he's not. He's not. It doesn't go by the adage. You get more with honey than you do with vinegar. He's like yeah. straight vinegar. People love that. Shoot um, it. <laughs> just shoot it into my veins. So Tony is a little put off. And after the, the incident at the mine, which, as you might remember, is actually a club. Um <laughs> Uh, Frank saves Whitney Houston. He sort of picks her up from the, after her, she was pulled into the crowd and he's got a chumminess with the chauffeur and has the chauffeur, like pick him up in a back alley and they drive away. And Tony is pissed and he has to walk home in the rain, which I was like, wait, you walked home in the rain? Just get a cab. I guess he didn't. I, there's no proof I have that he walked home in the rain, yeah. but he comes he in soaking wet and he's pissed. And, uh, he takes a swing at Kevin Costner and is immediately like bested. And then uh, Kevin Costner puts a stool on top of him. So he's sort of like pinned in and the guy's like, okay, okay, uncle. And then the minute he gets up, he takes another swing at Costner and Costner throws him across uh, the kitchen Island. And then uh, he gets his like hand cut up and he's like bleeding from his face. And he's decided, I don't think I've been bested yet. Let me try one more time. I'm going to grab a knife, a chef's knife and threaten this man and then Kevin Costner throws a knife at his head, um, which like hits the cabinet behind him, like as a hey, I know what I'm doing the here. Very first scene with uh, Whitney's manager, sorry, Rachel's manager, that he can throw knives. It was very important that we establish this. Wait, if that's her manager, Mister Devane is her manager, Bill Devane, I think. I think so. The older man. Yeah. Then who's Sai? Sai's her publicist. Oh, for fuck's sake! Okay, <laughs> I need. So, I need like a, of, a hierarchy. Uh, I need a map of okay, what's going on. In the hierarchy of, of celebrities, a manager would be overseeing most things. Psy would be specifically in charge of public events and 
press and stuff like that. But he answers to Bill. He would answer. Is that the old guy's name? That's her. Yeah, the old guy. Okay. Yes. Then yes. Okay. I mean, they all answer to Rachel, and right. Obviously, there is never a, like a clear. It's not the military. You know what I mean? But like, Bill is kind of like the vice president. Like if Rachel is killed, he would become he Rachel. Would Maron. become the puff star. Yes. <laughs> he would have to put on the little metal halo and go out. He'd have to dress like the robot from the 1920s movie Metropolis and go out and sing Queen of the Night. It just makes sense. It's just how it's run. I didn't write the Constitution. As soon as Bill comes to to Farmer to recruit him in the beginning of the movie, he's doing knife throwing. And so he shows him, he kind of goofs around, but then he shows him he's very good. Right. Robin Hood-esque. One might say. But then... Missed opportunity to have him hit throw a knife into the hilt of another knife. Right. But the only other time it comes into play in the entire movie is during this scene when he's fighting the other bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just like I I didn't mind that it was happening cuz there was a tension between them and I was fine with like that tension being released in some way but I was just like all right guys it's a 2 hour and 9 minute movie yeah. how about we just hop to it and get this stalker business going. <laughs> Uh, I haven't even looked at my notes yet, but go ahead. You, why don't you talk about something else you felt necessary to write down? <laughs> uh, Farmer drives an El Camino, a gray El Camino, uh, which is also the exact vehicle that my grandpa drove. Uh, so it's very nostalgic for me to see that because I think of... Was your grandfather a bodyguard or a farmer? He was both and neither. Did he run a mine or did he run a club? He actually kind of ran a mine. Oh, my I family. like I like where this is going. Connections. I'm going to write this down. He he, uh, you know, worked in a in uh, the sand and gravel industry. So you know. Um, anyway, I don't think that's super relevant for this story, but absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but it is a cool car. And- oh, you know what? Uh, Tyler did call attention to. We were. I sorry that I'm only noticing this now, but there is some forlorn trumpet work. Going on in the, much in the style of Alan Silvestri, as we discussed, he does love brassy, but there is like a, almost like a presidential, uh, like trumpet in the background of some scenes when they're just driving up. Um, like, like they just had some unused cuts from in the line of fire that they were like, <laughs> just, just play it here. That's fine. It's just sadly playing the back to the future. <laughs> Minor key. Um, I don't know if it was because you told me there was a twist, but I was in murder mystery mode for this movie. And I had a list of suspects, my top three being the chauffeur, because I cut to him like the, he was the first one that showed up and he was like a little, uh, smart alecky, but, um, also like ingratiated himself the most to, to Kevin Costner. So I was like, twist, he's the murderer. And then um, I was immediately suspicious because the the editing kept cutting to uh, the sister who would look annoyed half the time. Yeah. But then I wasn't sure as I watched the rest of the movie, I was like, oh, this movie's rife with bad edits. Uh, So maybe that's just the choice they're making because there was even a cut to the dog at one point where I was like, if I use the same logic, I'd have to assume the dog might also be a suspect. (laughs) And uh, who was my third one? I texted you this last night while I was watching. You say was it? uh, Oh, was it Cyrus the virus? Oh, Cy, yeah, yeah, yeah. The publicist. I think. I think you did say. Yeah, the greedy. I wrote the greedy manager, but yes, the publicist. Yeah. Yeah. Never in my mind did Bill Devane. Did I question Bill Devane? No, of course not. 
Which he's, he's Dale Paxton. Using my knowledge of British mysteries, I should have then immediately, because I had no suspicions of him, immediately suspected him. I'll tell you what. I think I've established this um, in other movies of this similar era, but uh, I love a good 80s, trying, 80s, 90s triangle hair, and Whitney's got it in spades. In spades. Uh, yeah, she she does have a nice. Uh, if you flipped her over, you could like put some like tchotchkes on top of the bottom of her hair. Yes, it's perfect. I will say this. Um, this is, I guess, Whitney's first movie. I thought she did a great job. I mean, she wasn't like. Uh, I mean, she was playing a character that was very similar to her actual life. Oh, yeah. a singer turned actress, which yeah. was literally in the process of happening during the making of this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I thought she was good. Yeah. Yeah. She. I mean, she kind of has to have the range of being a love interest, being snotty, being kind of like you know, what you'd expect from like a big pop star diva to being vulnerable to being scared for her life and for her child's life, being a mother. Like she has, you know, a range of, of emotions and experiences for, yeah, I thought she did fine. Being a smoothie enthusiast who sometimes uses the smoothie uh, blender to uh, interrupt people. Mm. That's fun. Um, Yeah. I thought she did a good job. I don't think they for other than that. Other than interrupting people, other, ask them a question, then immediately turn the blinder. Yeah, other than playing it and then pretending you're talking over top of it, and then <laughs> I will say the script does her no favors, um, but she does uh, get uh, she does get to be snotty sometimes. I feel like her character um, vacillates like wildly throughout the film. Sometimes between scene or just in the same scene, she will uh, change. Uh, how she seems to be feeling just like that. Yeah. The Oscars like backstage stuff. She really wants Frank with her until he actually does her job. And then she's like, get away from me, Frank. She's Um, mercurial. I guess. But they also make a point of like having her get a scene where she's like, I'm not mercurial. I used to get a reputation of being a bitch. And then I stopped. Well, I mean, you could, I I know a lot of people who say they're not one way. Who say they're not a way that they are. Yeah. Yes, that's fair. Um, I just want... I guess I could... I understand that people are actually like that, but in movies, I'd like a little bit more like, what the hell is going on, please? Well, I mean, speaking of just kind of being bitchy, not just her, the whole staff, aside from the manager, Bill, is are ridiculously uncooperative with the whole fire... Like, the whole hiring of... You'd think... So these people are, you know, either taking care of business around her, like even if they don't care about her as a person, their whole livelihood is based on her success and safety and willingness to go forward. And yet she's being, there was a bomb planted. Someone broke into the house and jizzed on her bed. There, Like there's a legitimate, for using that there's a legitimate threat going on right now. And they're all like hiding it from her. But I could also see that where they're like, Oh, let's just not go. Well, but it. not, not um, even like, just not telling her, which I sort of, I mean, it's infantilizing and it's not, it's not good if, if, either from a character perspective or, you know, in real life, but it, you can kind of see how that might happen to kind of protect her quote unquote from knowing these things right. or protect the kid. But also it's like not productive. Like the guys, the manager's saying like, there's this enormous problem. We need someone to come address this. And I get like the most, the most understandable situation is that like, it's sort of understandable that Rachel is against it because she doesn't know about 
half this stuff. And when she does, yeah. when she does, and like things start to happen again, she's like, "Tell me what I need to do, and I'll do it." I mean, that's like halfway through the movie, but still, she like agrees that you know shit's gonna. Change. Well, no, I mean, she they tell they finally. Um, it takes, it takes that when she's at things. the mine. Yeah. When she's at the mine, they tell her like, "There, oh no, he got into your, your house and and uh, came all over your sheets." And then she freaks out. But then she, um, I feel like she sort of gets more casual again. She's traveling all over the place. But that seemed maybe like as a way to like get even at Frank. Yeah. Um, which seems like there's other ways you could do that though, rather than you know risking your life. Um, there was a weird scene at the mine when she's singing, and her publicist is like. Uh, you know, you're just doing your job, Frank Farmer, the bodyguard. Um, and she's doing hers. If she doesn't sing, she'll die. Uh, and I was like, yeah, but you're sort of mixing metaphors here. Yeah. Like, if she doesn't do her job, she'll literally die. If she doesn't sing, she'll be sad. Uh, but she probably will be alive. Well, I gotta say this, and and these kinds of people do exist. Um, I don't think Sai is a very good publicist. <laughs> Ooh. It is true, and I was surprised that he didn't get fired at any point because the movie didn't seem to be setting him up as at least at as uh, foil or something. Yeah, yeah, like the Department of Defense guy in Independence yeah. Day. Like Snibbling you're going to get and, caned yeah, at some yeah. point. I'm not here to tell anyone how to do their jobs, but I feel like if you make a movie about a singer, why wouldn't the climax just be at the Grammys rather than <laughs> like having me like do all the? Because I guess I missed the clip about her being a shoe in for best actress, or I saw it and it just sort of washed over me. I'm like, yeah, 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 she's real popular or whatever. And then when they went to the Oscars, I'm like, wait a minute, what is she up for an Oscar for? And then I was like, oh, maybe she's up for best song. And then she was presenting for best song, and I was like, why would they ever have the nominee for something present the same award for it? And then I was like, oh wait, she's up for best actress. Wait, what the fuck is her career doing right now? I was so. I, it's not like I've never heard of a double threat. Listen, but, Lady Gaga in the whatever the movie she was just in. That's where I know, but it just seems like a simpler choice, especially when Whitney Houston earlier is like, when I was a kid, I used to have a bet. I used to tell people I'm going to win an Oscar one day. I'm like, but aren't you a singer? Why would you bet people that you would win an Oscar one day? She wanted to do it Wouldn't all. Wouldn't you bet them that you would, could win a Grammy one day? Didn't, she wanted EGOT. Didn't she almost have it all? Here's why this is necessary. No one gives a fuck about the Grammys. Even musicians. <laughs> no one's going to shoot someone at the Grammys. Even if they did, they wouldn't report on it. <laughs> like, who'd you shoot? Pitbull? I don't care. <laughs> He's Mr. Worldwide, so he could be shot anywhere. <laughs> the the scene in, in the mine where she has the music video. The mine? What the fuck? You are the one who <laughs> insists on calling this club by its name, and now you're going to call me out? <laughs> I just, sorry, I was thinking of a literal mine. I was really thrown off. <laughs> um... She has this scene so mad. at the club, so mad. and she. Th- well, all that happens is the the stalker guy actually is there, a, a young Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson, yeah, but he well, like uh, if Andrew Jackson was in Weird Science, but he doesn't have anything to do with it. What the incident is, she crowd surfs sort of accidentally. Things get out of hand, and then they start just like ripping things like her robot clothes her headpiece off yeah and then you know farmer of course has to punch his way out of the situation and then saves her and kick he also and that's how i imagine 
all crowd surfing is. I've never done it. <laughs> so that's how traumatic I imagine the experience always is. No, I mean, I think uh, anytime I've heard of a woman crowd surfing, that is about exactly what happens. Yeah. If if not groped and uh, horribly molested. Um, yeah, I don't... Uh, no, crowd surfing and mosh pitting are two things I would never... I would never... I can't trust strangers to carry my body weight. Get out of here. Not into trust falls, huh? Absolutely not. And you should not trust me to fall on to <laughs> which me. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Oh, here's Go my, here's, I wanted, I had another uh, quote that I wanted to bring up. Um, what do you want from my, in the vein of what do you want from my life? I'm not even sure who said this. I just wrote it down verbatim. Disapproval is a luxury I can't afford. Yeah. What? I understand the cadence of blank is a luxury I cannot afford, but why would disapproval be a luxury? I think Farmer says it too. To Rachel. Because she because she's in the changing room trying to kind of flirt with him and she's like Oh, you don't approve of yeah. me, do you? And he says disapproval is a luxury I cannot afford. <laughs> Fuck off, movie, with these lines. Cass. Just say what you want. Um have you disapproval is a luxury I can't forget out of here. This is another movie trope, but one that I think is more likely than cutting your hand with a knife, and that is <laughs> which Kevin Costner has done eating an apple with a paring knife. Or is it a peach? It might be. A peach. I think it was a peach in this case, but you yes. ever done that? Or you just like uh I think only because I saw it on a movie once. And when I learned how to cut with a paring knife without having to like be on a cutting board when I can just hold the thing and, and yeah. push the back of the paring knife. Um I would do that, but I, I think it was just because I was like, oh, yeah, people do this because I've seen multiple people in movies doing this. How do people do that? But no one has actually done How this. How do you do it without cutting your thumb? Because, like, I see, it seems like they're going directly with the sharp point of the knife into their thumb. Yeah. You're using your thumb as the lever. Yeah. Essentially the cutting board because you're using it as the leverage and you're pushing the knife into the apple towards your thumb. That's why it's so freaky. Yeah. Uh, so when I learned how to do it, but here's the thing, like if you're a kid in a suburban household, your paring knife, it might as well be a butter knife. You might as well just have like a stick. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not going to get you. And you're usually moving so th slowly through it that you can, and you usually pull back right before you get to the, once you have enough that you can just break it know, off. This seems and then you just eat off the knife cause you're a pirate or something. This seems like a opening a box with a box cutter towards you sort of situation where it's like, sure, you can do it. But at yeah. some point you're going to stab yourself with the box cutter. That's just going to happen. It's just simple mathematics. Yeah. I don't think if you worked in a, in a kitchen, you would do it this way. And I don't think it's recommended by anyone. Okay, well, I just, I just wanted to know if you've ever done it. I've been terrified my entire life. It's why I open all my letters with a sword. Yes. <laughs> I just like the risk. Of course, Frank Farmer's a sword guy. Oh, the fucking samurai sword. I was like, oh, you're a monster. He takes, you're really into all, Asian culture. They have a date, which we'll talk about, but they have a date and he takes her to see Yojimbo. A movie he's seen 62 times, which like, that also seems like a dick move. Like, take someone to see something. You both should not have that seen it. That was definitely not her idea. And then. Oh, absolutely not. And he just wanted to like mansplain like Japanese culture yeah. to her. Like Jeremy Jam on Parks and Rec. <laughs> Get out of here. This date is wildly inappropriate, is the thing I wrote there. Um, Why? Because he tricked her into thinking that one of his clients died on his watch? 
no, the whole thing is wildly inappropriate. I mean, that's bad too, but. Oh yeah. You shouldn't date your boss. Yeah. Your boss shouldn't also put you in a situation where you feel like you got to date her. Yeah. I mean, it's, she's not without fault, but I feel like most of this is on him. Go on. I'd love to hear your breakdown. Well, okay. Cause she has not been in a situation like this and this is presumably his job is like he protects people and he has to keep a certain distance. Now, yes, she is the employer in this situation, but he's clearly in the power dynamic, the one kind of barking the orders and saying like, look, if you won't want, don't want to die, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And she's saying, okay. But then She's showing romantic instrument instrument. She's showing romantic interest in him. I love a romantic, like an oboe. She's showing romantic interest in him, but he's not, he never like other than uh disapproval is a luxury I can't afford. He doesn't really ever say that would be wholly inappropriate if I dated. <laughs> right. He doesn't really tell her that. Only after he's fucked yeah, her does later. he feel the need to freak yeah. out. Yeah. Which I mean. But I mean, couldn't you tell the just magnetism between these two people? Oh, just that intense like attraction. Yeah. Oh, just sizzling. out of control coming from Costner. Oh, it's sizzling. Sizzling. Oh, uh, and he's got a dry wit. That's the other the running joke throughout the movie is that he's just got a dry wit. I'm like, yeah, he's got a really fucking dry wit. Cause I really thought, even after he admitted it was a joke, that he actually let a client tie on his watch. <laughs> it ne- like it never uh, I don't know if he just doesn't know how a human being smiles. Or if it just doesn't register in my brain that he is currently smiling, his face looks the same all the time. His cadence is the same throughout the movie, um, except when, of course, shooting people. Um, actually, no, he remains a cool demeanor there as well. He's absolutely terrible in this movie. <laughs> I, I will say this about their inappropriate relationship, and Lauren really hit it on the head. She says... Got to know that body to guard that body. So. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, when they, when you're burst, if you're a cop or an FBI agent, you're bursting into an unknown room you've never seen before. You want to check all your corners. You need to know the layout of that room. And if you're going to guard a body, you got to know that body. Know you got to know all the curves and the twists and check turns. Your exits. And check your exit. Canals. Check your exits. <laughs> Side of your eye. Side of your eye. Side of your eye. Check your exits and entrances. Sometimes they can be two things. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah, at some point, I put, I put death threat to your boss, huh? So I don't know what he says, but he clearly says <laughs> something about, I'll fucking kill you myself or something. Oh, yeah, he does yeah. say that. He uh, threatens to kill Tony. He threatens to kill Cy. He threatens to kill Rachel, the woman who has hired him <laughs> to keep her alive. Um, and he also threatens to kill Porter, which I thought, and he follows through on That's that true. one, which I find inappropriate. <laughs> Only because he follows through. Um, yes, he, um, I mean, we we texted a little bit about this today while I was rewatching the movie, but um, Costner's character Frank Farmer the is fucking insane. The bodyguard, he's, the titular guard. Yeah. He is violent. He um, beats up Tony, which is partially explained because Tony sort of antagonizes him. But Tony also, um, he throws a knife at Tony's head. Tony's across the room at yeah. the time with a knife. Just seems like, I guess he just de-escalated that. Maybe I won't hold that one against him. He does threaten to kill his coworker in Cyrus. Um, he beats the shit out of um, a 
completely innocent hotel employee while they're in Manhattan, a man who is literally just sitting on his smoke break. He punches to the point of the man's face bleeding. So he's he's upset Um, because of the, the, the trouble with Rachel, the emotional trouble. And then he goes to check the route because they're going to have a route that they're going and the route goes through an active kitchen. And so of course there is lettuce stacked, (laughs) (laughs) which he kicks over over and he's, he's upset. He's yelling for someone that he, I guess the, the chef or some, somebody that's supposed to like keep the kitchen clean. Lewis, but I can only guarantee you it was, uh, Louis, but he kept saying Lewis. And then, He's basically like mad because there's shit in the way. And then there's just a guy standing there and he's like, you need to fucking move. And then he's like, fuck you. Who are you? (laughs) And then he's, he is very rude to him, but also like, it's not like Kevin Costner was like, Hey, excuse me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then he just beats the fuck out of him. And then a housekeeper's like, that's my husband. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even clear that he works there. He's just waiting for her. And (laughs) that's true he's not wearing a uniform he's just like wearing a floral shirt kevin costner is like i'm sorry and we're like yeah i think you got a lawsuit on your hands pal my god uh yeah he also when uh now i guess again this the movie sort of rewards him for it but when fletcher goes out on the boat when they're out in montana or wherever the fuck um instead of just like diving in and grabbing a side of the boat and like calming the situation uh, instead, he jumps towards the boat and just knocks Fletcher the fuck off the boat into the water, just directly into the freezing water where the boy cannot swim, uh, and the boat just sort of glides off. Now, of course, the movie's like it was right to do that because mm. boom, the boat blew up. Uh, but it still seemed un- unhinged, and Whitney was right to scream, "Yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> he can't swim." He could have drowned, Frank. He could have drowned. They they gave us a clue right before that because everyone's sitting around watching a chess game, so they're all fucking unhinged. (laughs) (laughs) And the kid, this is some sort of wunderkind. um, Like, he knows all about boats, can't swim. Um, I want to point out that Whitney Houston doesn't seem to have a problem with him hanging out by her pool with his boat in a bathing suit, no less. Like, all ready for swimming, but cannot swim, apparently. Maybe it's um, a shallow pool. It's not clear that it's... Maybe. We don't know that, yeah. but it seems weird that they bring up this plot point that he can't swim. Yeah. When we... The first time we meet him, he's got a boat, and he's playing by the pool by himself, presumably. What? He also... When oh, yeah. Kevin Costner's on him. when he's telling... He's learned that the sister has hired her, but, like, then somebody breaks into the house, and he cocks his gun and then points at her face and goes, don't move. <laughs> he's not threatening her. He's saying yes. it in like a protective manner. And it's like, Jesus fucking great. Are you trained with the gun? The first time I watched, I was like, Hey dude, you just loaded the gun. Um, and later he fires his gun with his eyes closed yeah. in the woods. Like Fletcher could have run out um, there and just been like, Hey farmer. Yeah. It could have been fucking anyone. A deer. Uh, what could be in the woods but a stalker? What else? Do I have anything else? Um, beats up a random guy on a smoke break, assaults fans randomly. He assaults fans randomly, like including children, pushes them away from yeah. her violently. Um, I do want to say this. I know we've been sort of dunking on the movie. I want to say that the movie does a really good uh, job of replicating um, stilted Oscars banter yes. between yeah. presenters. Yeah. Even though Rachel's concerned for her life, she 
perfectly mimics the awkward jokes presented by uh, a woman who's nominated and presenting an award. Yeah, they do pretty good. And obviously, it's pretty obvious that at some point, uh, Robert Wall is going to get to host. So it's only a matter of time. <laughs> Robert Wall, this year might be your year. I think this is it. And then Richard Schiff, of course, being the stage manager. That's just going to happen. <laughs> I do want to say about the Oscars. Uh, of course, Kevin Costner is shot. At first, they think it's uh, Whitney Houston. She's got blood all over her dress, but it turns out it's Costner's blood. He shoots a man uh, through the chest and head. Um, a man who anyone else who's just witnessing it would think is an cameraman. innocent cameraman. Yeah. So there's absolutely chaos, but I, I love Cy, the publicist, who's able to keep his eyes on the prize, and he picks up a bloodstained card that says that Rachel Marin won Best Actress. So she's going to want that for her scrapbook. Thank you, Cy. You're doing a bang-up job. And he's, like, smiling to himself. And I, I want you to think, like, it's at during the denouement of the scene. It's, like, right after he shot not even, a man through that. They're head. not even carrying him the away People yet. are still screaming in the yeah. background. Yeah. <laughs> people are still screaming in the background. He's like, ah, Rachel will want this. I should keep it. I'll just wipe some of the viscous blood off of it. Oh, we've got some brain matter. Oh, is this eh? a bit of skull fag- fragment? Don't say fragment. Oh, what a fucking lunacy. I do also, while we're still on the Oscars, I want to give it give it to Debbie Reynolds, <laughs> who, while um, Whitney Houston is freaking out for her life and is screaming at everyone, Debbie Reynolds just gets a weird shot, and she just turns around to an unknown woman and says, I always knew she was nuts. Is that something like, is, just, is Debbie know. Reynolds known as being nuts? Like, or was it just a... I don't know why they... It reminded me... <laughs> Have you ever seen Naked Gun 33 and a third, which also has a finale at the Oscars? Yes. And it's jam-packed with um, a C-list act. The only actors they could get for Naked Gun 33 and a third, but they're up t- to be like, oh, of course these people would be presenting at the Oscars because Pia Zadora was the only person we could yeah. get. Uh, and so the fact that it's Robert Wool and Debbie Reynolds um, is perfect for me. And those are the only celebrities we see. <laughs> Robert Wool and Debbie Reynolds. And Debbie Reynolds gets like, it's, it's not even 30 seconds. It's like a 10 second yeah. line and that's it. And she's just like standing, it just cuts to her with no, like, uh, I mean, it's just like, she, it's the Oscars. Debbie you Reynolds, know what they, even though she's technically not been in movies for years. At you this know point. what they call that? A cameo. Thank you. Because from the, uh, from the Latin, uh, camere, <laughs> El Camino, which means to walk on set, which means a car with a truck, butt. El Camino and your granddad, your granddaddy's truck, yeah, butt car. Yeah. So they can date at the end. Why are they not just dating? I couldn't put together why they couldn't date. Um, they love each other, but they just, they're just two star crossed lovers because she has to go on a plane somewhere on tour. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why they couldn't date, why it has to be so um fraught. He's no longer um, working for her, which I think is a good idea. Absolutely. I don't think you should be working at all. You should probably be kept her kept no, man I, because you are unhinged. I think, I think the Rotary Club is the perfect place for him. But I guess we don't know. I mean, she comes off the plane, which could be interpreted as they're gonna get together, but then the shot of him alone at the Rotary Club. Why is that shot in the movie? 
why is that there? I, I screamed out, what the fuck? Not only the first time, but the second time as well. Why is the movie, it, it's a, it's a shot of the Rotary Club and it's a long pan across like several uh, banquet tables towards the dais. And you see uh, Kevin Costner slightly off center, like somewhat behind a flag, much like our president when he's about to hug one. Um, and uh, a priest is about to give like a, a quick prayer before uh, the ceremony begins. Yeah. And the priest stands up, he's holding a rosary. He starts praying and the, the shot freezes in like 80s, 90s style. And it's just a still shot of Kevin Costner on one side and an out of focus cross in the hands of a priest. And then the credits roll over the priest. And I was like, is this a metaphor for the lacrosse cross amulet that he gave Whitney Houston to like, let him know when she was in danger. Cause he gives her that before she goes to the mine, AKA the club, um, to press if she ever is in danger and she later uses it, the Oscars. Um, it's one of those little pieces of the movie where I'm like, this probably could have been edited out. This is a mess. Yeah. This, there's so many little weird threads in this movie that just seem like they're completely unnecessary, but that was the only piece I could get to, to, to put it together is that he's holding a cross. He gave Whitney Houston a cross earlier. I don't know what that means in the context of this movie because it's directed like a lifetime original movie. And it's um, not like, I mean, the cross had sentimental value in the sense that it was an alert button for her and it meant that he right. was protecting her. But like, is that to mean that he gave that to the priest or like that? What? Is he guarding the priest, you think? Is that I what you're I assume because they, they mentioned a congressman that he's back to protecting a congressman. They didn't, they didn't. Right. That's what yeah, was that was just assumption. context. They didn't like show yeah. it or say, but Jesus Christ. I don't, that was the. And why wouldn't you end with the kiss? Why would you end with this shot of the Rotary Club? Just so I know that he, oh, thank God he got a job yeah. after that. I'm not. After his terrible performance as Whitney Houston's bodyguard. Yeah. I'm not worried about his income. <laughs> I know he's the best in the biz. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I feel I have a lot of things. And like I said, uh, there's just a lot of threads here that are just a goddamn mess. Um, I do want to hand it to, to Whitney Houston's Cape before, while she's en route her, to her Hylian slash the club. Yeah. She, she, uh, she, everyone goes through a druid phase in their career. Any pop star, you know, goes through that phase where they're wearing long wizard's Just, robes. Yeah. You and go I, some people can carry it off and some people can. And Rachel Marin, which again is the name of a pop star in this universe. <laughs> she can carry it off. <laughs> Just want to make sure you all got that. Can we go to the sort of, um, not the twist. I mean, we sort of covered yeah. the twist of the sister, but the other twist of Portman. Yeah. Which I on my rewatch, I realized he's er mentioned early yes, on. He's um, one of the name drops in the beginning of 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 uh, Farmer being like, "Don't hire me, Devane, hire these guys." Yeah, and Devane says, "Well, we talked to Portland, and he was interested, but you're the best." Oh, okay. So he was the one that maybe he <laughs> was trying to get the gig. Right. So then he could kill her point yeah. blank, and uh, you know, just make a weekend of yeah. it. You know, not have to like put in all yeah. this time. Um. Even though he got her alone so, in a room and didn't kill her then. Yeah, I was... Maybe he just didn't think he'd get away yeah, with so it. Yeah, so what do you... When what, they're huh? in Miami, he's alone in the room and he does, like, try to rape her, kind of, but she kicks him out. But yeah. then, why didn't he just kill her then? I guess because he didn't think he'd get away. Right, because he knows that the, that 
his whole, I mean, that, that, the move, <laughs> I mean, it, again, it reminds me of a murder mystery in a bad way in that the twist, like, yeah, I guess it's kind of a twist, but it doesn't really like gel for me into making any coherent sense. I feel like if you hire a hitman, even if you, I feel like you can call it off. They're not so, I mean, well, especially of course, time. if you love what you do, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And maybe that's what Portman's no, doing. At he the just, end of the movie, it's, the, it's not about the money. I want to kill Rachel Maron because they well, just want to. that, like, at the end of the movie, the person who hired him is dead. So he could just have the money. Well, who's the, who hired the sister, him? Nikki. Right, but she hired him through right. an intermediary. There's no way to carry, well, that was, like, to call this off. That was my off. argument, is that because they didn't know who hired who and he didn't know who hired him, there was no way to call it off. And she did it well stoned. There stone. was no way to call it off because she would have had to... Yeah, it was... Right, I think that's the plot way of, like, trying to, like, sort of excuse this, but it just seems, like, really, like... I think that the movie wants us to have wants it to have this like momentous thing that like Kevin Costner knows him, but he's introduced like halfway through the movie, like in person at least, um, and he's introduced like a villain to the point where I was again confused: was this bad editing, or am I supposed to remember this man? Um, and then I thought his villainy was merely about rape, but then I was like, again, because this movie has so many loose threads in it that it's like, eh, whatever. Um, that I was like, oh, maybe they just wanted to have this scene with like an attempted rape in it and we're not going to return to it ever again. Um, it just seemed like he was oddly passionate about killing her. But I don't know why. Why was he able to hunt her down so the easily? The truth is, if they had threatened to give him bad Yelp reviews, <laughs> he'd return that money in a heartbeat and just moved on. You, you give up. You give up killing one person, and you never hear yeah. the end of it. The, the Better Business Bureau is like knocking you down to a B plus. You can't. You can't. You come can't back compete with a B plus. <laughs> I guess it just never. I mean, it's not like I understand the logic that the movie wants them to make. It just never gels into anything satisfying because it's supposed to be this big twist. Like it was him the whole time. But I'm like, who cares? Why? Why is this? Why do you have to create this stalker storyline and then make all this like big fuss of like, oh, his sister hired a hitman, but she can't call it off. And the hitman was this guy he knows. It's all these sort of facts, but it never like comes together into a coherent whole. Um, Who just on the bed, DJ? Well, was the stalker, right? So he is like, I mean, he like the, the, the plot sort of dismisses him as just like some guy. But I'm like, if he's getting into her house and jizzing on beds, I feel like that's more than just some guy writing letters. Yeah, it's weird because like Farmer is the one who was who convinced everyone and was convinced himself that the stalker and the assassin attempter are the same person. Like the bomb. Well, Devane, I mean, the movie, I mean, Devane also has that assumption that this was the same guy. But it wasn't. Right. Yeah. But that's the twist. It's one of the one twists. Of so many twists. One of the many what twists of this movie. Um, can I do my last thing? This era, around 1992, Whitney Houston, as a musical artist, fucking rules. I mean, correct. Late Whitney Houston, yeah, had her had her faults as an artist, but she's always been a just ridiculous singer. But these songs in this movie, this soundtrack is ridiculous. Oh yeah, I actually I want to apologize because I said something about like no one knows track two to the bodyguard soundtrack, but I have heard Queen of the Night and I have heard I have uh, I have nothing. Thank you, Bethany Perry. They Bruner. fucking rule. Um, 
yeah, they're very good songs. Queen of the Night, uh, I was singing it throughout the house. Uh, me and Tyler changed it to the Queen of the Right uh, to make it into like a political anthem. Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, Kellyanne Conway, Phyllis Schlafly, yeah. both in the Metropolis outfits yeah. uh, with the crown and the yeah. cape. They'd be great. Uh, I was, yeah, I was singing my ass off. This, And there's so much synergy. They like, I don't know if the deal was like, all right, if you're in this, if you agree to be in this movie, not only will we pay you, I don't know, gobs of money, money that can only be measured in gobs, but also you get nine songs. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, no, I'm sure it was a great deal for her because, I mean, I think it's still the best-selling soundtrack of all time. Let's go to the bird. Come on. Let's go. Okay, I'll come with... Okay, I don't know why we have to go into another room to do this, but I'll, I'll follow you. We always record... Anyone in here? We always record the verdict in the kitchen. It's just tradition. What is? You want- <sighs> I forgot that we're supposed to catch at first. Oh, DJ, you, you, uh, what do you think of the movie? Got it in first. Oh, you want? Okay, you want me to go first? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Always. So the movie is not without its problems. Um, <laughs> I think we have delineated them fairly thoroughly. Um, but I didn't hate it, and I think honestly, if if all things being equal with other movies, I think it would be on the you're in a child's an idiot side, but the soundtrack puts it over the top for me. And I did not, I was not put out as much as I was expecting. I was expecting, I wasn't like super invested in it. And I think I remember the, you know, I remember all the twists a little bit more than I thought I did. Like I remembered the big one, but I did. That, what is I the, big the big one, one is according that, to you? Is that the yeah, sister? How was the big one, not that her sister hired a killer. Well, her sister gets killed, and there's a whole other act before we finish this I know, whole but fucking like, thing. Portman is a killer. Who fuck? Who the fuck cares? We don't know Portman. That's what I would say to the movie. Who the fuck cares? Know, but I'm saying it to you. You're asking me what. First off, watch your language. Listen. Get my hands so greasy. You're like light. you're like the Portman of this podcast. <laughs> he has a lumpy face. He looked like an old beanbag had been formed into sort of a face shape. I'm going to officially say it. Your inner child is not an idiot, but just barely. Damon, I can see you're holding it. You're like, I've, I've mixed in the baking soda and vinegar, and I'm just holding the top <laughs> of the, the science fair volcano. So that your science teacher can come over. Hurry, Mr. Garrison. <laughs> I can't hold it for much longer. Um, this movie is a goddamn mess. <laughs> there are so many twists and turns. It's filmed like something between a Lifetime original movie and an episode of Silk Stockings. Everything seems to be through a blue filter. Um, Kevin Costner is absolutely terrible in this. I started Costner Fest 2020 saying, I think he is a good 
actor who, if not in the right role, can really uh, throw things off. I have come to the terms that he is a bad actor. Whitney Houston, who this is her first movie, is acting circles around him just because she follows the metric of how would a normal person react in this situation? And Kevin Costner's like, how would a normal person react? He wouldn't. I got it. I'll just keep my face the same. And look, I understand. I like a lot of stupid actors who can't really act. But if you're going to be like that, at least give me a jawline, something (laughs) that I can be like, I got it. I understand why you're here. That being said, I enjoyed this movie. Right? Uh, It's a bad movie. um, And I think... uh, I don't think I could trust anyone who said like with earnestness that they liked this movie. Um, but I enjoyed watching it. I especially enjoy, uh, Whitney Houston covered in blood screaming. He's my bodyguard. <laughs> um, or as they say, because people probably were confused she said in Japanese farmer, your Jimbo, <laughs> your Jimbo. Um, so, yeah, I, I will say your inner child is not an idiot, but I'm still squinting at you. If you tell me that you love this movie, <laughs> Um, it's, it is a good soundtrack. Excellent um, soundtrack. it just, I feel like the direction and the acting, uh, of this movie are just off the walls, but not bonkers enough that I'm like, I'm having a great time. It's just, I, uh, I enjoyed watching it, but it's long and Kevin Costner's <laughs> terrible. Is Kevin Costner good in anything? Can we talk? I talked about this with someone at work, and he was trying to be defensive of Kevin Costner, then cited a movie that literally no one has seen. Which one? Um, is Kevin Costner good in anything? I can't even. Silver Dollar? Is that a movie? Yeah. I've never seen, like, what's the other? What's the Western he's in? Is it Wyatt? Dances well, with I've never Wolves? seen that one. I've never. Wyatt, Wyatt Earp. That's what I'm thinking of. I haven't seen either of those. Wyatt Earp was the one that was not Tombstone that I had. It was like the same year as Tombstone, but no. One I have saw never, it. and this is just my own personal like taste. I have never seen a western or a mafia movie that made me get over the fact that I don't like those kinds of movies. Like war, I war have movies, seen, which I generally don't I've like. Seen, I've seen some good war movies where I'm like, okay, that was good. I've never seen a western. Where, I've seen ones that I'm not. I didn't hate that, but I've never been like, oh, that was good. Right. I have seen. I am sort of the way with mafia movies like you are with war movies where I'm like, I have seen the ones where uh, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I still don't really like mafia movies that seem like they're glorifying like mafia stuff in a weird, like guys guy kind of way. Um, But I, when I see good ones, I'm like, I can recognize that this is good. Uh, War movies. I'm actually the opposite on. I'm like, I got it. The honor of war or whatever. Yeah, I'm Westerns. I'm sort of the same way, but I can recognize when I see a good one. I don't know why I'm responding and just repeating everything <laughs> you just said. I'm trying to look up his fucking videography. Hey, what do you think, everybody? Why don't you email us? Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can call us at 615-576-0525 and leave a message. Play it on the show. Uh, oh, Man of Steel. Man, he was a good pocket. <laughs> Told uh, his son not to help anyone. <laughs> okay, he wasn't a great less like teacher. I'm not saying he was a good. I think he portrayed him well. JFK maybe, but I think in JFK they like have to like build his character into Kevin Costner. Like, okay, you're real by the rules, um, and you don't freak out about anything, and you've got a terrible Boston accent. Go with it. Um, also, Damon, you can find us on. Uh, 
<laughs> all the social media if you want. Uh, Twitter, Instagram. You can see our uh, Bull Durham. You can see some of Damon's great drawings on Instagram. The Untouchables, maybe? The th- I've seen The Untouchables, but I don't remember him in the it. The great thing about... I mean, I know he's the main character. The but- great thing about remote recording is that I can just cut you out and not interrupt myself. That's great. Uh, okay. I want to thank our patrons for supporting the show, including... Damon's Australian accent. <laughs> that is actually one of our patrons. Thank you for supporting us. T. Smith. Lindsay Now, The supreme ruler of this podcast. You guys are getting real touchy with the names. <laughs> the Zesty. Little Flick. Just Cuz. Jacob Grimm. Christine in Brooklyn. His Honor, the Mayor. Jeremy Pallon. Joshua Nicholson. Karen Curd. Larissa Maestro. Ooh, got a trill there. Dan McIntyre. And Jonathan Day, thank you guys very much for supporting us. Uh, we really appreciate your your help. Uh, Patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot if you want to support the show. Everybody be safe out there, you know, because I have nothing, nothing, nothing. nothing. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know we were waiting. What is, what is the second? She has nothing left.